I have to give a little disclosure before we get into the message this morning, and that is this. For many of you, I'm cheating you, and this is why I'm cheating you, because those who came on Wednesday, they got the heads up. And the heads up was this. The note page that you have on the back of your, of your bulletin is not enough to keep the notes on what I'm going to talk about today. There's many key points that are not included in that, okay, and that you're going to want to write down, all right? I believe you will. If you don't, that's fine, but I think that you're going to want to write some of these things down, so I'm just preparing you that ahead of time. I'll give you permission to use one of our, bullet, our, our uh, giving envelopes there, and, and, and you can write on that, okay? So, but I want to get into this message, and um, I have... As I've mentioned each time before we got into this um, series, is that my prayer is that you have come as a blank canvas when it comes to hearing about this teaching, this sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And the reason being is there's been so many misinterpretations, misconceptions, um, so much stuff, okay, that is filtered through the church in general that has scared many people off from a topic such as this, all right? And I'm gonna say this very clearly and, and, and deliberately because I believe that what I'm giving you is a teaching in which I get through scripture and what I believe in. Um, I'm challenging you to also take those teachings and scriptures and be praying about that and say, Lord, continue to reveal to me what the truth is and what you really want me to know and understand when it comes in regards to the Holy Spirit, because listen, we have all come from many different backgrounds and what is normal to me may not be normal to you, okay? So um, your normal can be different from the person sitting beside you, around you, normal from those in different denominations and in different churches and all that's fine, okay? But what I want us to do is begin this with a blank canvas because I really believe that God has got some great teaching through his word that he's going to bring to our attention uh, this morning. But before I get into that, I, I actually found these jokes this week and uh, they show some differences within denominations and their different beliefs. And so this is not intended to be rude toward anyone. So please get that out of your head right now. This is me being fun. Okay, check this out. And they're light bulb jokes. No blonde, no blonde jokes, okay, on the light bulb here. Here we go. How many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Change? Who said anything about change? That was good. That was good. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, and their hands are already in the air. <laughs> Get it? Ah, touchdown Jesus, right? Here we go. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change the bulb and nine to bind the spirit of darkness. It's awesome. See, I can even joke about us. All right. How many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? None. They use candles. <laughs> I like candles. If they smell good. All right. How many Episcopalians does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change it and nine to sit around and talk about how good the old one was. That's funny. 
how many Church of Christs does it take to change a light bulb? None. Light bulbs are not mentioned in the Old Testament and therefore it is unscriptural. <laughs> some of you are going to be like Googling church of, you know, you're going to be Googling some of these things. Here we go. Okay. Non, non-church jokes here. Okay. How many chiropractors does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, but it's going to take you six visits to get it done. <laughs> I love that one. That one had me, I was, I was sitting there laughing over that one myself. Okay. How many telemarketers does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but they're going to do it while you're eating dinner. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, so anyway, so here we are in the sermon series, the Holy Spirit. Today's the day of Pentecost. So obviously I'm going to speak with regard to Pentecost, but I'm going to give you a, a fast forward for next week. And it's my, my uh, theme is going to be, be being filled with the spirit. Okay, being filled with the Spirit. So you're getting a little heads up on the next one. These two here, this one and the next one, are the ones that I'm most excited about presenting to you um, because I, I really believe it's going to be very eye-opening and, and it's been very challenging for me even as a pastor as I've been digging into this because even as I've been doing so, God is, in my opinion here, has been revealing more and more to me. Um, our theme first came from Acts chapter 19, one through two, and I'm going to go ahead and read that. And it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. This is one of the churches that Paul, obviously, he founded. Um, he's, he was the pastor of this church. It says, there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, we're really going to get into that next week, okay? That's, that's going to be one of the main topics there. But it says, did you receive, excuse me, the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, that's where a lot of people are today. There seems to be a lot of questions and uncertainty surrounding this topic. And my opinion on this is because it's been packaged in a very poor manner. All right. Uh, the previous weeks, we talked about his name. Uh, of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Old Testament war ark, and we talked about the New Testament pneuma, all of this uh, tra being translated as spirit and ghosts. And these are the best attempts at translating that from uh, the Greek and the Hebrew to our English translation. But really it's coming down to being what a breath of fresh air. All right. And if we can allow ourselves to fully understand who he is, we wouldn't run from him, but on the contrary, if we can understand and fully understand who the Holy Spirit is, I think we would do the opposite. We will run to him. Amen, pastor. Then we looked at the, the second week, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, understanding that there are many and that they are reserved for who? Everyone, all of us who will believe. That these gifts are what? They're freely given. The gifts did not die with the apostles or the disciples, but rather these gifts are reserved to you and I today. All right. Now we're going to look at this morning, a term that so many again run from him. And that is this term here, Pentecost or Pentecostal. All right. Um, some would say those are the people who make you wear a lot of makeup or on the contrary, none at all. Those are the people who are flopping on the ground, rolling under pews. 
All right, running the aisles. Those are people who are just, every other word is a spoken tongue, correct? Okay, that's what the world's mindset and many within the church, especially within the different denominations, believe. Now, what I wanna do is actually break down this word to you and understand what the word Pentecost actually is. And what you need to know is this, Pentecost is actually a day. Understand that, it's not an experience. Pentecost is actually a day, and we're going to look here in just a few moments as we're going to do a, a, a compare and contrast, so to speak, or looking at mirrored images with regard to several of the, uh, the Jewish feasts and, 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 and several of the Jewish holidays. But in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, I'm going to give you some history here. Before then, Jesus came for a period of, what, 33 years. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. Three days later, he was what? He was resurrected. And then he spends approximately, or actually not approximately, right at 40 days in his glorified body before he's ascended into heaven. All right. Now, listen, pay close attention. Follow along in this. All right. There's a lot of good information here. And I really want you guys to get this this morning. He ascended into heaven, leaving final instructions. Ten days later, he, after he ascended, the day of Pentecost has come. And the Holy Spirit was then poured out upon the church. And that is where we get the Pentecost Sunday from that we're celebrating today. There was a lot of fanfare. There was a lot of power being demonstrated. And so the whole discussion begins here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. All right. Now, here we go. When the day of Pentecost came, understand this, Pentecost is a day. It's more than just a holiday. Okay. But in the Jewish calendar, what... There were three major holidays, similar to what we would probably consider as what? Uh, Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. But in all actuality, they had seven in all, but we're really going to take a look at three of the major ones this morning. In these three holidays or these three feasts, they each had their unique characteristics. What Jesus decided to do when he came in and he lived his life, he gave us instruction, and that was to use these holidays as a way of giving us a picture of what Christ wants to do in our lives and in the world that we live in. The problem here is that Jewish people understand this, but we can't because they are not our holidays. Now let's take a look in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Jesus speaking, do not think that I have overcome to abolish the law or the prophets. Now, stop right there. That means the Old Testament, okay? That is what he's saying. But I have not come to abolish them, but to do what? Fulfill them. That is very important for us to understand. We may not do the practices of the Old Testament, but what we do is embrace the principles and the laws. But Jesus says that he came to give a fulfillment of the picture of the Old Testament. So the first major holiday that we're going to take a look at this morning is this Passover, meaning what? Salvation. All right. So give you a little history here. There was a celebration. This was a celebration of when the Hebrew nation had come out of Egypt. They had gone down to Egypt because of what? A famine. And they ended up getting stuck there for 40, excuse me, 400 years. And while they were there, Pharaoh decides to enslave them. 
God no longer wanted that to, be, to happen. He didn't want his people to be enslaved. So he sends them a deliverer whose name was Jesus. There's a lot of parallel here that we can understand as a church, okay? Moses did what? He leads them out. Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. So many plagues, actually 10 in all, came because Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. And the 10th and final plague was that the firstborn male of every family, that individual would die. Now, God didn't want the Hebrew males to die. So he said, get the blood of a lamb and put it on the door facing or on the sides and on the top of the door. And when the spirit of death or the death angel passes over, when he sees the blood, he will do what? He will pass over. So now you understand there what the Passover and why the Passover is being celebrated and why it would be considered as a holiday or one of those major holidays within the Jewish calendar. Once they got out of Egypt, God said to them, I want you to have an annual holiday and a celebration in remembrance of what I've done. Now, here's where you need to begin to write, all right? I'm gonna throw some things up here for you, one by one, and I want you to see a really cool mirror image here. The first is this, the Passover lamb was sacrificed each time at 9 a.m. Secondly, the lamb was put in the oven at 3 p.m. And the purpose of this was the sacrifice was to do what? Covered their sin. So now you can get an idea here, and bear with me, you can get an idea here of what the meaning and what the purpose of the Passover, what was happening, what the tradition was. Now remember, we know that Jesus came to what? Fulfill this holiday. Why? Because he came to fulfill the, the old, what? The prophets, the old teachings, the old law. So here, when Jesus was sacrificed, it was actually on the Passover. Jesus was sacrificed 9 a.m. approximately. Jesus was put in the tomb at when? 3 p.m. And his sacrifice removed what? Or covered what? Our sin. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, or Christ, it says this, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been what? Sacrificed. So the Passover represents today for us as a church, our salvation. It is what God has given through the Passover is this. It stands all on its own. This is the holiday. The salvation part is something that completely stands all on its own. You see, God has more for you and it's wrapped up in different experiences, but this is one that is all by itself. There are things that God wants to do in your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to empower you. He wants to do different measures. He wants to accomplish different things through you and in you. But the first thing that we must do, and it stands alone, is allow salvation, is to accept Jesus Christ as that Passover lamb, not ignoring the fact of what he has done for you and me. All the other things that we're going to get into and all the other things that we know that God wants to do in our lives are in contention of if we do blank, okay? So understand. Um, this, this, this is the ultimate gift for you and I 
that obviously is free. It's not depending upon what? It's not depending on fasting and prayer and Bible reading. It's not depending on any of that. It's depending on one thing, and that is believe. Believe in your heart and accepting of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but rather it is a gift of God. In other words, you can't save you. You can't do it. It's impossible. It doesn't matter what works you do. It doesn't matter how much you give to the poor. It doesn't matter how much you give to the church. It doesn't matter how much time you give and volunteer. It doesn't matter how your attitude is. It doesn't matter how great your speech may be. This is something that only God can do and you can earn it. It is something that has been given free because the scripture goes on to say not by works so that what? No one can boast. In other words, you were not saved because of your own power. You are not saved because of your own works. You're only saved because Jesus died on that cross, because Jesus was and is and always will be that great and most perfect Passover lamb. God has more for you and he wants you to experience it. The second major holiday was called this, Pentecost. That's what we're looking at today. Penny means this, five, and cost means to the 10th power, meaning 50. There were 50 days from the Passover to Pentecost. I love how God always works everything. He's, he's a God of, of order, is he not, in that regard? You know, He's also a God that you just don't know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. But he also has a way about him that he sets everything up within a order here. So we understand that Pentecost really means 50, and it's 50 days from the Passover. Now, the original Pentecost, they were celebrating, and this is in the Old Testament, they were celebrating the fact that the law was given on Mount Sinai, out of, where they came out of Egypt. Now they were on, at a mountain, and the presence of God is there. There's, what, earthquakes and fire, smoke. There's a lot of theatrical stuff going on, and then, boom, you have the Ten Commandments, right? You, you guys remember that movie, uh, the black and white movies? Uh, was it Charles, 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 whatever his name is? All right. Y'all remember that? It's the first thing I thought of when I was going over all this. But here's what I want you to see here. In the Old Testament, on the 50th day of, from the Passover, you have this. A cloud descended with a loud noise and fire out Mount, at Mount Sinai. A cloud descended with a loud noise and fire. All right. So we understand that. What is God doing? God is speaking his presence is known, his presence is felt. God is doing something powerful. You know, when God begins to speak, you know there's something monumental that's gonna happen from that. Okay, I like to think every time we come into the house of God that God is doing what? Speaking. We have ears to what? Listen. And then we know this, what God wrote his law on the tablets of stone. That's where we get the law. We get what? The Ten Commandments, Okay. We understand what God did there. He's doing, when God's presence is around, when God's presence is known and felt, and we can see God's presence, we can see what God's doing and working. And man, you know, you get that wow moment in your life and you're like, man, God is here. God is here. So we understand that because of that, God is doing something. He's writing the law 
on the tablets. And then watch this. The next thing is this. 3,000 people died. And that was the golden calf episode that day. 3,000 people. All right, where we're going, woo, let's shout, you know. No, there's no shouting right there, you know. What's going on here? I don't understand. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, that's a whole nother sermon by itself. Now watch this. Now they are celebrating it in the New Testament. Now watch what happens. The day of Pentecost, it's again, 50 days from the Passover sacrifice. Who was the Passover? Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit descended with what? A loud sound and fire. All right, we don't have that. All right. So the Holy Spirit uh, descended with a loud sound and fire. God wrote his law, secondly, on our hearts, no longer on stone. That's important for us to know. So we know within that upper room experience that happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts, that God, what? He descended, it was loud, fire, things are happening. In that moment, it wasn't anything on the outside, but it was on the inside. God's doing a transformation. His law is now written within our hearts and no longer on stone. And this is the part I get so excited about because we as a church have a mission. We are mission-minded. God has given us a purpose. If you could ever say, I don't know what the purpose of God is in my life. Yes, you do. It's called the Great Commission. And that is to take the gospel and win as many as you possibly can to the kingdom of God. If you were to die, could anyone step up and say, because of your life, I came to know Christ. The third thing there is 3,000 people that day got saved. 3,000 people came to Christ. What a mere picture of that great holiday of the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter one, verses three through five says, after his suffering, meaning Jesus and the cross, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. That was during what? That 40 day period. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. In other words, that was the 10 days. You got the 40, the 10, so here you go up to the 50. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter one, verse eight says this. And I love this, it's on our, on our marquee. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, what? Comes on you. I'm going to cheat here for a second and get into my next message already. And I'll probably be repeating myself. So you must forgive me for this for next week. But as Paul was asking the church of Ephesus and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they looked and said, no, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. Let me point something very clearly to you. The moment you accept Jesus Christ, you accept the father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the same power that was unleashed to them on that day of Pentecost is the same power the moment that you allow Jesus Christ to come into your life can be demonstrated even right now. Amen. That's awesome. 
That's like Jesus saying, I have work for you to, de- for you to do. I am mission-minded with your life. I have things that you need to accomplish and you can't accomplish it without me giving you the power to do it. Things to do here, what, on Shinkatig? Things to do on, on the shore. Things to do if you live abroad from us. Things to do all across this land. What does, so what, what does that bring us to, to Pentecost? What, what does it really mean? We understand it's 50 and we understand what happened on that day, but you know, it's not about the goosebumps and it's not about the craziness that the church has tried to define it with, because I'm going to be honest with you. While I believe and I'm a spirit filled and I speak in that heavenly language, I want to say something. I can't say it right there. (laughs) I'm not allowed. I'm fighting my flesh right now on that. But I believe that the same power that God presented on that day is the same exact power that is here in this room for anyone who will say, Lord, give me that gift. Many people say, oh, you are only baptized if you're speaking in that tongue. Wrong. The moment you gave Jesus Christ the opportunity to come into your life, you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you're endowed with the power that will split the gates of hell wide open. Thank you. I believe we've just packaged it so poorly as a church. Pentecost is this. It's the power to make a difference. God needs to empower his church in order for us to do something that can pull off something that you could not do on your own. And then thirdly, you have this holiday. Don't worry, I'm going to get back to the other one. Tabernacles. The first two are close together, but this one would have happened probably within the fall around the harvest time. And the tabernacles was to celebrate and remembering they're wandering in the desert or what would be considered as modern day uh, Saudi Arabia. For 40 years, they traveled circles before they ended up within their permanent home, which was the promised land. There was a time where they weren't in the promised land. There's a time where you are not and you've also been wandering in a temporary home. Watch this. In the Old Testament, they were wandering and living in temporary huts. Firstly, Secondly, they were brought to their what? Final home. And then thirdly, what did they do? They celebrated it during the harvest season. I'm going to repeat that again. If you have to take a picture of it or something, you can, I want to move on. But it says they were wandering and living in temporary huts. They were brought to their final home and they celebrated it during the harvest season. So how is this holiday and major feast being fulfilled today? Simply this way. First, we are living on this temporary earth. We are merely what? Aliens and sojourners and strangers. We are not citizens of this earth, but we are citizens of what? A different kingdom, are we not? Wandering around. 
Secondly, we will be brought to our final home, which will be where? In heaven. And third, are you guys not seeing the parallels here? I mean, am I the only one? Maybe God just needs to get my attention. I don't know. But thirdly, there will be a great, what? Final harvest of people. It is said that there are more, watch this, I found this very interesting, but there, it is said that there are more people who have been saved from the year of 2000 to 2018 than there was from the time of Christ to the year of 2000. Tell me God's not moving. Tell me that the spirit of God is not real today and that it ended with the disciples and the apostles. Tell me that God still can't do miracles and wonders. You tell me that God can't heal broken marriages. You tell me that God can't heal that unbelieving spouse or that child who's gone the wayward way. I'm telling you God can and that God will and that God is not done. Is God coming back? Is Jesus coming back for his church? Absolutely. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 16 through 17 says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a what? Loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet. Or watch this, the feast of trumpets is another term for the tabernacles, understand that. But it says that um, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet and with the trumpet call of God and the what? Dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with who? The Lord. So the tabernacles is the second coming of Christ. So these are the three major holidays because they're the three major things that we need to know for our lives as a believer. It begins with what? Passover. It all begins at the cross. Then he, what? He has an assignment for us. This assignment is too big for you to accomplish on your own. So he's given us a Pentecostal experience and it's not, watch this, it's not, it's not, and it's not for the sake of entertainment. But it is for the sake of accomplishing the mission or the great commission that God has given us. Doing something that what? Can make a difference doing something that exposes people to Jesus Christ, to hopefully what they will come to not just a knowledge and an understanding, but to a relationship. Most understand the cross, most understand heaven, but very few, however, understand the age that we are living in right now. Acts chapter two, verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And the answer is this, he wants you to have power in your life. God needs you to possess his power in your life in a supernatural manner, in a great way. God wants to empower you in what I feel is three areas. And the first one is this, the Holy Spirit is there to empower us or empower me, empower you to live righteously. If you recall, Pentecost was about the giving of the law. Many are still following the law, which was written, what, on the outside, 
you love God and you are trying to do what is right, but really don't want to do what is right. And the struggle is becoming real and you're battling the flesh. I hear that a lot from people. I, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't understand why. I, I'm, I don't get this. See, many of us fall into this category in different seasons of our lives where we want to do what is right, but we're struggling with it. Romans chapter eight, verse nine says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. So when we are filled with the spirit, he's writing the law in our hearts. When we are filled with God's spirit and we're allowing his spirit to be dwelling with inside of us, we no longer want to do things we used to do. We want to do things that line up with God's purpose and his principles that he gives us through his word. So now we have a strong desire we're not excited about the old life any longer. We don't look back at it and wish we had those friendships anymore and wish we allowed ourselves to be within in those environments any longer. But now our mindset is changing and we're going, I want more of God and I want more of the things of God and I want to be placed in an environment more suited for God. Are you following me here a little bit? It's so much fun and a whole lot easier to serve God out of the I want to rather than the I have to. Amen. Jesus said that when I send the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into what? All truth. His voice will speak what? Into your spirit. You, you've been there before. Well, you're going through life and you, you feel that, that voice behind you telling you the direction that you need to go in or stay away from. I love um, Isaiah prophesied on it in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. He says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way and walk in it. But man, you know, it's, but, 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 but God, it doesn't line up with what I want to do. Well, we got a bigger problem here. Our wants need to change don't we? we? We need to get to a spot where we go, you know, if my wants are saying, I want this over what God wants, then what did Pastor Thorne say? You need another dip. I think that's twice I've said that now. My Lord, this is not right. <laughs> but we should be getting to the place. The battle shouldn't be. I want to do things anymore. When the temptation arises within us, it shouldn't be, I want to do that. It should be, no. As Paul said, run. <laughs> run as far and as fast as you possibly can. But run, run, run. Get away from it. All right. <clears throat> Secondly, the Holy Spirit empowers me to do this, to live supernaturally. Helping yourself if you want to live, helping your, help yourself if you want to live your natural life 
but you were never intended for that. Wow, you were intended for greatness. Okay, that's cool. You were intended to have power. You were intended to become an overcomer. You were intended to be the victor and not the defeated. You were intended to do great things. God has a plan. He's got a purpose. What does the Bible say? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God had a plan and a purpose before your existence ever was. He knew who you wanted to be. He knew what you wanted to, what he wanted you to do. He knew what he wanted you to accomplish. I've said this before. It's like our, our life is a book. And we add so many different chapters in it. Chapters that don't belong there. Yes. But the last chapter, God always gets his way. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, says this. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So why, why did he do this? Watch this. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So when the Holy Spirit was within our lives and we have that power within our lives, who was with us? God is with us. Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. And why is it with us? So that we can accomplish these things. Look, 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 look. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish and to do and, 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 and to do great things and to accomplish great moments and, 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 and to do all this wonderful stuff. I'm sorry, I guess you don't need it. I'm sorry, I guess you can do this all on your own. So I'm not giving you something that you've not ever heard of before. I'm just pointing out the obvious to you. We need this Holy Spirit within our lives. We cannot look at it and go, look at the packaging that the church or the world has given it before, but we are coming before you, God, as a blank canvas, and we want you to bring the picture full circle and show us exactly what you intend. 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter uh, 2, uh, verses 4 through 5. And I love this. Before I get into it, you know, I, I don't want us to be a church... And I want to point this very clear. I don't want us to be a church that just has good music and, you know, you got great message notes and a mediocre messenger, you know, uh, and, and fabulous coffee. I don't want us to be a church about that. That is not what God intended. Watch this. And Paul says it so perfectly. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but watch this, with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. What does that mean? You could be the un, most uneducated and unknowledgeable, but yet if you can allow God's Spirit to work through you, God can accomplish great feats because of you. Okay, watch. So that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but what? On God's power. That's why I'm always challenging you. I'm giving you what I feel is the word and what I feel God leading me. 
But you need to take it and get into it and say, God, show me what I need to get from this and show me where I need to learn from it. Because watch this, I'm gonna say the contrary here. Not every pastor, every word that comes from their mouth is exactly right. I'm speaking against my own calling and profession right there. But we must individually have those times of prayer and fasting and seeking after God. For God, give me direction. Don't allow me to put all of my hope on man's words, but allow me to put all of my hope, my faith, my future, my life, and everyone else that I come in contact with through your words, Lord. Don't get me wrong. I want us to be a church, a great church that directs people to God. That, that, that marriages can come to, back together again. That Watch this, that your body can be healed. I believe God still does these things. We see that through many lives that are even sitting here this morning. Your life can be changed. You can be free from whatever those addictions are. You can, if what? We would just make ourselves available. Thirdly, and I'm gonna, this is my last point, my closing point this morning, is this. That the Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission. God has called you to just, to, let me say it this way. God has called you to not just help one another and for us to have a place where we can come to church, but God has called you to accomplish a great mission. We are called by God to feed the hungry in our community. We are called by God to show love and forgiveness. We are called ultimately by God to bring Jesus to this world. We exist for the world. And you and I are here to make a difference and bring light into it. God has asked us through his message, through his word, to do something that we are not qualified to do and that we must have his power in order to fulfill it. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse five says, our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power. I just stop there for a second, but also with power. I believe that in your life, God wants you to be fully accepted, his Holy Spirit. You know, this thought came to my mind this morning while I was getting ready. It's not, it's not in my notes, but it just, it came to my mind and uh, take it however you want to, that's, that's up to you. Maybe it was just mainly for me, for my, my life, but the thought came to my mind about, you know, relationships. I love my wife and I fully accept her as an individual. And I think she fully accepts me as an, as an individual and that we demonstrate a love toward one another. And because of that, we got married and we became what? We became one. Now, if there's ever a part of me that begins to shut down a part of her that oneness becomes separated. And that relationship cannot be strong. It cannot 
come against the tests that society and the world and the enemy, the devil himself tries to bring against it. If we are not in tune with one another, our marriage and our relationship would fail. We would no longer be one, but then we would be separated. Watch this. Many within the church have done this. I have no problem accepting the Father. I have no problem accepting the Son. But I don't know that the Holy Spirit is for me. Why? Because it's our fault as the church. Because we have packaged this thing to be inaccurate. It is not merely for our entertainment. It is not for the goosebump or somebody rolling around an aisle or somebody running. And again, if God leads you, God leads you. I am not coming against it. But it's not for your viewing purpose. It is because God is empowering and because it's an individual who is saying, Lord, I want to be married to you because we are the bride of Christ. And the moment we ever get to the spot where we go and we, and we do this and we say, Lord, I'm willing to accept you. I'm willing to accept you, God the Father. But wait a minute. I'm not willing to accept all that the Holy Spirit has. It brings what? A problem. That relationship begins to become weak. That bind, that contract that you had when you accepted Jesus begins to become weak. Because now we're giving an opportunity for Satan to come in and begin to twist our minds and our hearts. And so we begin to lose what? Power. And there's power in love. My wife and I, we have love. We demonstrate power because of that relationship. Me and God can only demonstrate full power when not only do I accept God, but I'm also accepting his son. And watch this. I'm fully, fully, not partially, but fully accepting the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch, people will pursue the Holy Spirit and many times they will even get pride within their heart. Look what I have and you don't. This is no place in, in this teaching. This, is, this has no place within our church. It has caused so much dysfunction and disunity with, it makes me mad. I will never question in your life, how God chooses to demonstrate His Holy Spirit through you. It needs to become genuine. We need to go, God, we're a blank canvas. I'm sorry, I'm keeping you all a lot longer because it just happens, all right? Sounds good though, it's pretty cool. But we need to be a blank canvas with this. But you know what? No, 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 no. Let me rephrase that now. 
You're no longer a blank canvas because God's starting to make this wonderful and beautiful portrait of what he intends his Holy Spirit to be in your life. And it's not done. You got to come back next week because it's not done. But watch this. I want to close with this statement because I think it articulates beautifully the Holy Spirit. Is this, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. I don't want a man-made Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit. Stay with me this morning. I have been so eager all week to get this message out of me. It's gone now, it's out, so I'm good. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, this is what we gotta do first. Some of you need to experience that Passover and that is salvation. Before you can experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you first need to experience salvation within your life. My prayer this morning is that somebody in here today who has come, who may be lost, who, who you've heard the teachings before maybe, and you've heard about God, but you don't truly have that connection. You don't truly have or accepted that free gift. And, or there may be some of you in this room, and I'm gonna give this an opportunity today to who say, you know what, pastor, I've accepted, but gosh, I feel so far and I've done so much mess in my life. And I'm allowing, you know what? I'm allowing things to creep in and I need a do-over. I need a redo. I need a start again. I'm giving you that opportunity with this one question here. And that is this. If you want Jesus, every about every right close, don't look around. Every about every right close. We're going to talk about how it becomes public next week. But if you want Jesus in your heart today and you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to slip up your hand. That's all you got to do. I see the hand. I see them, I see them, I see them, I see them. I see them, fantastic. One more opportunity, I see them. If you want Jesus, if you want Jesus. I'm done with this mess, I'm done with this world. Just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Amen, put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer as a church boldly, everyone. Jesus, save me. I accept you today as my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, I will live for you. My old is gone and my future is before me and you are leading the way. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there? Amen. Now, here, this one gets a little deeper, okay? And that is this. I'm gonna challenge you. If you can say, Pastor, you know what? Man, I've not allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to be demonstrated through me in my life. Maybe I've not accepted the giftings that he has for me in my life. And remember, there's a lot of giftings through the power of the Holy Spirit, over, right, right, a little over 27 of them through the New Testament that we see. We focus on one, but there's a lot more. And they're all real and available to anyone who wants them. But I'm gonna give you an opportunity this morning. If you would say, Pastor, I want that power in my life. 
I want that be, to be de demonstrated in my life. I'm gonna ask you to step out from where you are and come down here to the front of this church. And I'm gonna give you every opportunity to do something.